Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Lauren Kudish, who's the Associate Director of Admissions at Wellesley College in beautiful Massachusetts. Lauren, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me, John. I'm looking forward to chatting a little bit more today. It is our honor and pleasure. So, Lauren, let me ask you, what is it about Wellesley College that makes it so appealing for students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Wellesley is a women's college, a liberal arts women's college located just about 12 miles west of Boston. Um, so our students really have the best of both worlds. They have the intimate college setting, the small classroom size, the small classroom feel, really um, unique and intimate relationships with faculty, and an incredibly diverse student community. Uh, about 50% of our students identify as students of color. Our students uh, come from 83 different countries of birth, uh, all 50 states. Um, and we have an international student population of about 14% and a first generation student population of about 19%. Um, so our students are bringing these fabulous, diverse perspectives into these small classroom learning environments. So they're not only learning from their instructors, but they're also learning from their peers who are bringing their various backgrounds, perspectives, um, foundations of thought really into that classroom discussion. Um, and that really grows not only that academic mind, but really your personal self over the course of your, your college experience at Wellesley. We like to say we have a highly self-selective population of students at Wellesley, students who really want to be at a unique uh, place like Wellesley. Um, we often find that students that are most attracted to Wellesley are students who are you know, interested in traditionally male-dominated fields, such as econ or STEM fields or political science, um, as our students and our faculty are there to educate um, women. And so we were founded upon the idea of educating and providing higher education to a marginalized population, which was women at the time. And we've really expanded that concept. And we continue to build upon that today as we think about the diverse perspectives and individuals that are brought to our campus. The only other thing I like to brag about is we have a brand new uh, science center 
that just opened actually in January of 2020. It was a five-year project um, with spectacular facilities um, and really has brought the sciences to life on our campus. Um, so that is, is a new highlight on our campus that our students are really excited about. Well, thank you so much for that overview. I really appreciate it. I also read that there are some famous alum that actually went to Wellesley, such as Hillary Clinton, Diane Sawyer, and Madeleine Albright, just to name a few. And perhaps more important, I read that 95% of the students returned the following year. That's for the freshman class, which is an astonishing statistic. It's a testament to the work that you do in admissions to admit the right students, but also the work that you do on campus to keep the students happy. So congratulations on that. And Lauren, I was also curious, how many applications do you receive a year? And could you walk us through the process of how you evaluate so many applications? Absolutely. So when we talk about number of applications, um, I can give you a quick snapshot of what this past year looked like. Um, so for the admitted class of 2026, Wellesley received just over 8,700 first-year applications, which actually was the highest number in college history. Um, and on March 19th, 13% of the applicants were offered admission. Um, but I really like to talk about our admission process. You know, in the earlier question, we talked a lot about our student diversity and accessibility. And um, I really think about that diversity and accessibility when it comes to the actual reading process. Um, we have a highly holistic review process, which if any prospective college age student is visiting or looking into any college or university, they've heard holistic. It is the buzzword in college admissions, but we really like to just walk the walk, not just talk the talk. Um, so I'm going to break down a little bit about what that process looks like. So we have a committee based evaluation approach, which means that we team read. So while each counselor on our staff is responsible for a particular geographic region, a particular state, if they're a domestic reader, um, we do read side by side with another counselor in our office. And um, this was implemented about four or five years ago in our office. And it really allowed us to create conversations about fit, right? Because frankly speaking, when we look at the incredible applicant pool we have to Wellesley, a good majority of those students would be academically successful on our campus, but we have an intimate learning environment and a really niche community. So we talk about fit because we're really trying to understand how that student sees themselves at a place like Wellesley. And that committee-based evaluation or that team reading really allows us to have some unique conversations. In fact, I would argue that one of the most fascinating questions I typically ask of my partner reader is, well, what kind of roommate is this student gonna be? So, you know, without a doubt, we're ensuring that student's going to be academically successful, but we're also ensuring that that student really is going to be personally successful on our campus, that they're going to involve themselves uh, in the community, that they're going to find a community of students that they can relate to. Um, and so that team review allows us also to take away some of the implicit biases that we all hold as humans, um, you know, whether it's just for example, I was a college athlete. So without a doubt, I look at that, um, you know, high school athlete and I feel a piece of myself in them and it's easy to relate to. And I've got that partner reader that's really, you know, saying, I can tell you love this student, but is this student going to be a great fit for Wellesley? So it's a beautiful dialogue between the two of us, you know, bringing our own backgrounds and perspectives into the experience. So in terms of the team read, um, if I am the uh, regional representative for the application, so for example, I review all of the Massachusetts 
applications for our office. So if I'm reviewing an application from Massachusetts, I'll be reviewing um, you know, the application alongside, as I mentioned, another counselor whose region may be either domestic or international. Um, and I'll be reviewing a lot of the academic components while my colleague is gonna be reviewing a lot of the more qualitative components like the essays, like some of the teacher recommendations. Um, and again, we are talking about, okay, well, I'm seeing this as a part of the academic portion. What are you seeing on your end? How are they involved? But not only how are they involved, how are they engaged in that involvement? Are they a leader in some capacity? We like to say that Wellesley is a leadership lab for students. Um, and so we look into pieces of the application to really gather how that student is a strong fit beyond just the academic perspective. Well, I really appreciate how you explained the overall team approach to reading the applications. And you look not only at the academics, but for example, I love that question, what type of roommate will they be? And how will they contribute to this amazing community? So thank you so much for that. So my next question then becomes, what does a typical admitted student look like at Wellesley? And is there anything unique about your admitted student profile? Yeah, so after it goes through that initial team review with one with two colleagues by, side by side, or in this day and age, Zoom side by side, um, <laughs> we, uh, we send along that application with a potential admissions decision to a larger committee. And that committee consists of all of the admission counselors in our office alongside our two deans, our dean of admission and our dean of admission and financial aid. Um, and so we, we look at that in the committee setting. And I like to kind of use an analogy uh, one of my colleagues threw our way when we initially kind of rolled out this process was it's kind of like looking at the trees and then looking at the forest, right? It's easy when you're looking at one application to really focus in on that application. But when we bring it into that larger committee setting, we really have a larger perspective of what the applicant pool as a whole is bringing. And sometimes while I might be advocating for an applicant, a colleague or one of our deans of admission is gonna say, I totally see the potential fit, but here's what we're looking like in the larger perspective. And that context is so crucial for us to understand. So as for what our admitted student profile look like, um, we're still finalizing the class of 2026. As you likely know, our students just moved into campus. Um, we typically wait to release our statistics until after the first week of classes, pending any you know, unique changes. But for the class of 2025, so actually our sophomore class right now, um, I can give you some, some helpful statistics here. So in that class, um, our students uh, typically had about an A average, and we don't recalculate GPAs. Um, we look at the student's transcript within context. So when we talk about that regional review, one of the crucial parts of that is that our responsibility as the regional counselor is to familiarize ourselves with the various high schools that we review, as well as the various locations. Um, whether they're private, public, independent, religious, um, what type of curriculum is offered at those respective high schools, um, what does the grading system look like? We all are getting more comfortable with things like proficient grading systems and mastery grading systems. Um, you know, the pandemic certainly uh, adjusted our lens for which we review grading. Um, there are many schools that went past, past fail. Um, during the pandemic and the early stages of the pandemic. And so we really uh, we use that regional perspective and that holistic review. So we like to say that students that are admitted to Wellesley typically have about an A or A minus average. 
Um, I can give you some idea of, you know, in terms of curriculum, we typically see students who are taking some of the most challenging courses that's offered to them within their high school. So again, we're not disadvantaging a student if that curriculum isn't offered. So certainly if a student has taken AP courses, um, that's great. Those AP or IB, the International Baccalaureate, really show us that the student is prepared for the rigor and depth of curriculum. So when we talk about AP and IB, it's not just to say, you know, great, we've checked off that item, but how has the actual content and curriculum and pace for which that course is taught best prepared the student for the academic environment at Wellesley? So yes, if APs or IBs are offered, we're going to look at those. Well, thank you so much for giving that overview in terms of what you look at when reviewing the transcript. We really appreciate it. And I was also curious, Lauren, what are some of the things potential students do to demonstrate their interest to attend Wellesley? And do you keep track of such things as part of your overall admissions process? So um, our former Dean of Admission and Financial Aid, Joy St. John, used to use the phrasing that being uh, an informed applicant is part of demonstrated interest. Um, and I love that terminology, right? So when we think about demonstrated interest, we're not looking for ways to advantage certain students over others, but we're rather trying to better understand how a student can become familiar with the Wellesley community. So yes, do we take a look to see if the student is familiar and informed about what Wellesley is, absolutely. That may be through a campus visit. That may be through engaging with us virtually. But it also could be through the supplemental Why Wellesley essay that we require our applicants to complete. So we ask applicants to refer to our Wellesley 100, which is an online publication, 100 Marvelous Things About Wellesley College. And we ask them to identify two that really resonate with them, that they're most excited about partaking in once at Wellesley. And you really can get a good sense of the students who are genuinely interested and invested in potentially attending Wellesley versus the students who are applying to us because we're one of many wonderful institutions in the greater Boston area, or we're one of the wonderful seven sister schools. Um, so we really get a strong sense there as well. So demonstrated interest is a larger umbrella to really understand how a student is informed about Wellesley as a whole. Well, that's a great answer. And it really shouldn't be about demonstrated interest. But I love what you said. I think it was the dean informed applicant. That's really what you're looking for. And when you're asking students to write about the Why Wellesley essay, they have to look at the Wellesley 100 document and pick two and really express their demonstrated understanding of why they want to attend Wellesley. So when they're doing that essay, they can't take an essay from another college, change it from ABC College, and put the name Wellesley, and it would apply. They have to really demonstrate their understanding of your school, and that's going to help you determine whether or not they're the right fit, and there's someone that's going to come and contribute to this beautiful thing that we call Wellesley College. So, Lauren, thank you so much for that comprehensive answer. I really appreciate it. What are the different ways a student may apply to Wellesley, and is there a benefit to applying one way over the other? Yeah, so we offer three different first-year deadlines. We do also have a transfer application process. But for first-year applicants, you can apply through either early decision or regular decision. Early decision, we have two deadlines. We have early decision one on November 1st and early decision two on January 1st. And then we do have regular decision on January 8th. And just to give you a sense, John, of what we saw acceptance information by entrance plan. 
um, in the class of 2025. So again, two cycles ago. Um, overall, we had about 7,900 applications that year um, and roughly uh, 310 students of our first year class came in through early decision one or two. Um, so, you know, we, we have an entrance class of somewhere around 600 typically. Um, so we like to aim for that 35 to 45% enrolled through early decision. Um, again, when we talk about informed applicant, early decision is another way of being an informed applicant. You are signaling to us that you have really taken the time to understand who we are as an institution and that you see yourself there and you're ready to commit to that. That being said, it's simply not an option for many students. We are very aware of the financial responsibility that early decision puts on a family or a student. And so we want to ensure that all students, regardless of socioeconomic background, can have that opportunity to attend Wellesley as well. And so that regular decision population is still quite strong. Um, so that gives you a little bit of the breakdown by decision plan. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. And I know that Wellesley, like many other schools, is in fact test optional. Can you share how Wellesley views an application that is test optional? In other words, how, if at all, does the application review process adjust based on the submission of a test score or not? Yeah, absolutely. It has been really fascinating. I've been in this field for about 10 years. And it's been really fascinating to watch the landscape of higher education and college admissions change as a result of the pandemic. And that includes, of course, the test optional factor. Um, and in many ways, this has served us a great opportunity to really think, again, more holistically about the applicant. So Wellesley has continued to temporarily suspend our standardized test requirements. Um, it's for a four-year period of review. So applicants to Wellesley for entry in 2021, 2022, 23, and 24 um, have not or are not required to submit SAT or ACT test results with their applications. And really our holistic committee-based application review process gives us the flexibility to evaluate each applicant's full record within the context of their available resources. So while standardized tests have long served as an external benchmark of college readiness, they are one factor among many that we can consider in the admission process. And of course, regardless of an applicant's decision to submit test scores, the admission committee is particularly interested in applicants' demonstrated rating and quantitative skills as key predictors for success. And we look to other areas of the application to better understand those uh, key predictors. So whether that be the writing itself in the essay, whether it be the grades you've received in either your math or English courses throughout high school. Those types of things can also help us to better understand a student's readiness for the academic aspect of Wellesley, in particular that demonstrated writing and quantitative skills. So I like to say that test optional is test optional on behalf of the students. So I think that's my one big thing is keep in mind that if you are submitting scores to Wellesley, they will be considered. Um, so really do a little bit of homework. We publish all of our uh, SAT, ACT information. I can give you a little sense of that. So for the class of 2025, um, of the 54% of students who requested their scores be considered, um, we had averages around 737 for the reading and writing and 742 for the math. And for the ACT, the average composite was a 33. So again, 
of the 54% who requested those scores to be considered, those are some of the averages we saw of our admitted student population. And keep in mind, students may opt not to submit scores for a myriad of different reasons. Some students feel those scores aren't representative of them as a student, and that should really be the most significant question a student is asking themselves in this process is, do these scores reflect who I am and who I can be in the classroom? Um, and then, of course, plenty of students for either financial or logistical barriers won't be able to take exams as well. And so this test optional policy really enhances the broader landscape of who can apply to Wellesley. Well, we appreciate you sharing that data. So 54% of the students submitted their test scores. And I like what you said. Look at your averages, which are located on your website, which, by the way, I will include the link to the Office of Undergraduate Admissions in the show notes. Lauren, if there's anything else that you want to include, just provide them to me. And of course, I'll make them available to the students and parents. Thank you so much. Does Wellesley accept AP, IB, or dual enrollment classes for credit? Yes, we do. Um, and typically, it is a little bit case by case. But when we talk about it from a larger perspective, uh, students who either receive a four or five on certain AP exams can receive credit once on campus. And students who either receive a six or seven on certain IB exams can receive credit. It does vary by department and discipline. Um, and our course uh, registrar office has a full listing of what will transfer to Wellesley and what won't based on subject area. And how important are students' courses in progress and grades in their senior year? And Lauren, what are you looking for when reviewing them? So I like to say that your high school experience should be an upward trajectory. Um, and so your senior year should really be an indication of the level of work you're ready to commit to at Wellesley. That final senior year is likely the most relatable work that you're going to do to when you arrive on our campus. And so we're going to look at that and say, we expect you to continue to be challenging yourself and successful in the classroom. So yes, we do get concerned. We review all final transcripts for all admitted students. So even if you've been admitted, we ensure that nothing has come in your way of that success that final year as well. And we talked about the Why Wellesley essay earlier. And of course, the essay is a big piece of the overall application. So Lauren, can you share some examples of college essays that really stuck with you? And what advice would you share with prospective students in terms of what to think about when writing their essays? So I have to tell you, John, I've read a lot of college essays. <laughs> uh, I've been at Wellesley for about three years, but I was at a large research institution in Boston um, for about seven prior to that. Um, and I have read my fair share of essays. Um, and I like to remind students that there doesn't have to be some giant, huge life experience that they need to reflect on in their college essay. Some of the greatest college essays I've read have been some of the more mundane topics. We always comment on some of our favorites or students who reflect on their commute to and from school. But the most important question you should be asking yourself when you're writing your college essay is what does this tell the reader about who I am as an individual? And what do I still need to tell the reader that they can't find in the other aspects of the application? I like to remind prospective students and applicants that they should be utilizing every single piece of the application to their advantage and to tell me something new about themselves. 
Now the essay, the personal statement through either the Common App or the QuestBridge app, as those are the two applications that we accept to apply to Wellesley, is really your only time in the application for you to advocate on your own behalf. Every other written part of the application is someone speaking for you or a document or credential speaking on itself. And so the essay is really the only chance that I get a sense of who you are. I encourage students to be authentic. If you're funny, be funny. If you're not funny, now is not the time to try. <laughs> and I like to remind students that we know what an 18-year-old voice sounds like versus a 45-year-old voice. So really be yourself. Um, it's okay. You know, some of the greatest essays I've read have been about food. I had a wonderful student who wrote about making pierogies with her mother, and she was able to relate it back to who she is as an individual, the process to who she is. And those little things really resonate with us when we're having a long day of reading applications and we say, wow, I really captured a sense of who this student is and what they're going to bring to our community through this writing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. We truly appreciate it. And can you highlight, Lauren, what opportunities and resources does Wellesley College offer students to ensure that they continue to be successful once on campus? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that has been a continuous priority for the Wellesley community. And it's, it showcases really the small, intimate community we have at Wellesley. Our deans of admission really work closely with our faculty, with our staff and our first year dean's office to ensure that students are gonna have a somewhat fluid transition to campus. Um, whether that is pure resources, so we have a brand new office of student success. We have the Wellesley Plus, as well as the first gen low income network on campus. And all of those different resources will work with students from various backgrounds. But if you're looking for more formal services based on learning, diversity, things like that. We have our Office of Accessibility and Disability Resources. And my colleague, Jim Weiss, who is the director over there, is spectacular. He works with students not only once they're admitted, but also in the prospective student process to ensure that a student visiting or getting to know Wellesley has whatever accommodations they need to really best get to know us. And so he works with students throughout the college process to ensure they're successful in and out of the classroom. Well, we really appreciate that overview, and this has been a phenomenal conversation, Lauren. Thank you so much. Unfortunately, it leads us to our last question, which is, what are your top three pieces of advice you would give students and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process? So my first piece of advice in terms of students and their families is the college admissions process can feel daunting, right? It's why we have things like this podcast is hopefully to provide some transparency in this process and remind you that we too are people behind these desks and behind these computers reviewing these applications. So my first piece of advice is to set aside one time each week where you're willing to talk about the college admissions process, whether that's building the college list, whether it's identifying priorities in your college search process, whether it's updating your families or guardians on where you are in submitting or writing your college applications. Um, it's really important to not let it fester over the course of a week, but really say, you know what, I know that I'm gonna talk with my child about it on Saturday evening, that seems like an odd time, but let's say Sunday evening, <laughs> uh, and I'm going to get a sense for it at that time. So I'm not going to ask right now. And it really takes some of the pressure off both students and families 
to have it dictate your senior year because you only have that senior year hopefully once um and so <laughs> i really recommend finding that one set time each week to discuss it um secondly is to be authentic and i know i've already said this today but I wish high school students could see the process from our lens fully as much as we talk about it to death. It doesn't uh, lose its sense that it is still a transparent process. We really are just trying to get a sense of who this student is and what they're going to contribute. And I know it feels like you've got to throw everything at the paper, but sometimes the littlest, smallest adjustments in an application really provide us that sense. So don't overthink it and be authentic to who you are. And then that third piece of advice is something I mentioned earlier, which is utilize every piece of the application to indicate who you are and why you are a strong fit. And that goes for, you know, the activities resume. It's not important to list every single activity you've taken on over the course of your four years. Um, but also don't forget about some of the ones that you might think aren't important. For example, part-time work. I love to see a student who has part-time work. It showcases a level of responsibility. It showcases an ability for time management. Um, and it shows that student is looking to give back either to themselves and prepare themselves for their college experience or you know, life beyond college, but it also potentially shows that they're giving back to their family in some capacity. Um, you know, oftentimes students who uh, you know, want to showcase everything lose sight of what really matters. Um, so really think about how can I use each different aspect of the application to best showcase who I am and what I'm going to contribute. Um, and that also means that don't necessarily write the essay on the most important thing in your life, because I'm guessing that if I look at your teacher recommendations and I look at your activities resume and I look at your school counselor recommendation, I'm going to see that, for example, you are heavily dedicated to service. And that's wonderful. We have plenty of students who are. But Maybe use the essay then to showcase a different part of who you are so that I can really use that to advocate for you in the committee process. Well, those are tremendous pieces of advice. Thank you so much, Lauren. This has been a phenomenal conversation and I'm so happy because I know it's going to help so many students and their parents navigate the college admissions process. Can't thank you enough. We hope to have you again soon, Lauren. Thanks so much, John. It was a joy. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.